0: i'm just going with the flow so
1: you're listening to three wise
2: truck guys from key advisors
1: hello everybody welcome again to the three wise truck guys uh, for our latest and greatest podcast uh this is keith Ely, and uh coming to you from lawrence kansas we've got our guest that'll put the rest of us to shame <laughs> but uh do you have mark martinsic hello,
0: hello mark hello keith hello everybody hello john Especially hello to our guest.
1: Yep. And uh, John, greetings to you as well, Mr. Whitnell.
0: Heidi
3: Ho, it's a uh, beautiful day in Fort Worth and looking forward to another riveting, riveting podcast here.
1: That's right. These always are riveting. So Keep,
3: keep this between the rails,
1: Keith. That's right. So we're going to, uh, you know, we've, we've uh, for the last, I don't know, eight, nine months, we've we've spent a lot of time talking about operations and leadership and uh, balance sheet management, certainly income statement. and But it's all dealt with operations uh, and people. But I think one of the things that we've not neglected, but we just haven't brought into the universe of our topics is certainly one that our customers think about a lot, and that's uh, facilities and uh, building a new dealership or or uh, uh, doing extensive remodeling to a current one. You know the number of dealerships that are in place today. They represent uh, uh, some pretty exciting um, new construction projects that have been done in the last five to ten years. There's a lot of a lot of our customers that have new dealerships that have been built in the last five or ten years. Um, but I think one of the things that we do know, John, that is that if our customers are uh, looking at buying another store. There's probably a decent bet that one of those stores that they're looking at buying probably needs a, at least extensive remodeling, maybe an overhaul and tear down and rebuild. Uh, you know, so it's this. This a pretty uh, a pretty attention-getting discussion. Yeah, I think so. Uh, you, you know, um, Mark, I know that you've got. One of your customers that had a, we were talking about it the other day, that they did they did an extensive overhaul. They didn't tear down the facility, but they, in essence, rebuild it from the ground up, moved all the offices out. Um, you described it as when you'd go in there before that seeing a rat run through the facility was not an uncommon occurrence. That's true. Um, but uh, uh, so we're, we're going to talk about something that I think we all, of we'll all of some of our customers that are dealing with, and uh, I'm, I'm excited to, to hear from our guests because they're going through this right now, and maybe we can pick up some tidbits from our guests today. So we do have a special guest today. Uh, it's Corey Neal from K Neal Truck and Bus in the uh, DC metro area, and uh, Corey, I'll, I'll uh, give you uh, the mic here in a few minutes after we do our little banter back and forth, but uh <laughs> Welcome and, and uh, thanks for, thanks for spending time time with us today, Corey.
2: Keith, thank you. Good uh, good morning, good afternoon. I guess considering where you are in the country, but uh, very excited to be here and, and happy to be a part.
1: Great, we're glad to have you. But you know, Whitnell says always first things first, and uh, the first things first is uh, where well, we always start a podcast, which is best and worst, John, because you uh, you're the ringmaster on this one. You you. Chose the topic, and you also lined up our guest, which we're, which we're excited about. Uh, we're going to let you go first on best and worst today. So,
3: um, um, since we're talking about facilities today, the best thing that I've seen this month, and I originally saw that uh, you know, Nally Truck Sales did this down in Atlanta maybe uh, 15 years ago, but they took a a non, they took a Home Depot store and they converted it into a truck dealership. And uh, we've got a client here in Texas that uh, ha- has a real significant rent issue. In fact, uh, the landlords basically tell them they want them out. And so they've identified another non-truck dealership and they've developed in a very short, very short period of time, a way to convert this into a commercial truck dealership. It's intended to be just an interim strategy, but uh, based on the way this project is coming together, uh, this has really demonstrated a lot of resourcefulness and a lot of sense of urgency. Uh, they're going to be able to go from one location to the next in less than six months, maybe seven, and be back in business and uh, with a whole different cost structure. So that's the, that's the most creative, resourceful thing that I've seen this, uh, this month that I'm really pretty excited about. Keith, on the other side of the ledger, things that, uh, you know, I'm going I'm to label that as poor process management. In fact, we just had a little bit of a conversation on this earlier. Uh, you know having a conversation with one of our clients uh, earlier this week on how they order trucks and i was just amazed that uh, you know the truck sales manager is still the point man in terms of ordering trucks and uh, managing the order board and, and addressing all the issues that come along with uh, uh, you know changes to orders etc and 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 this dealership has an administrator so uh, you know that's a terrible use of a manager's time and uh, it's something that we spend a lot of time talking to the client about.
1: So, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to insert myself in the middle here. Mark, we'll let you go last today. Um, that way you can just steal from John and me, okay? Uh, but, you know, the, the thing that the, the best and worst that I've seen go together, uh, and I'm going to come back to leadership, and it's, it's a really it, – it's, it's an interesting dynamic of, of what's happening in, in some of our – some of our customers right now. Um, we've got some customers that are in some pretty serious growth mode and, uh, and the leadership. And, and when I say growth, it's not just adding stores. It's also uh, changing DMSs. It's make, making major um, changes in how they price parts. It's making major changes in, um, in how they do business and and so i I consider that growth mode because those are maybe it's change mode too but it's it's changing the business with the thought that they're going to be growing the business and making it better you know we we've talked uh a couple of times ago about dms and and i know we're going to do one on dms conversions at some point but certainly hopefully the reason you change a dms is not just to change the dms but because you find value in changing to a new dms provider that it can do something for you to make your business more streamlined, to, uh, to do something. It's just not using the same technology or using new technology to do the same thing in the same way. And so what I've seen over the last month in terms of this growth potential is a lot of different leadership dynamics, all, all the way from how they how they're addressing changing parts pricing structure uh, one, 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 mandating it. Uh, another, doing more of a research-based, um, really due diligence on on parts pricing. They had already done some parts pricing changes. It didn't. It uh, was not getting them to where they wanted to. So they spent a lot of time digging into the what the data tells them. Um, you know, from a, a leadership standpoint of of uh, of trying to drive. Uh, SOPs in place and and standard operating procedures. Again, one being more driven by mandate and another being driven by engaging the team that's, that's actually doing it. I know that, that this group, one of the things that we're doing right now is installing a service process and it's not working the way that they want it to. They've actually done a time study. And what we're finding is it's not the process, but what they're recognizing is that it's 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 the boots on the ground that are are not engaging in, in really understanding that process. So they're they're educating on it. So the good and the bad that I see this this month is leadership. And we tend to come back a lot to that. But but uh, how they're engaging with with their team and how they're they're uh, um, uh, pushing the things and and and, and driving the, the change things. To grow their business, and there's some real dichotomies right now. Uh, some of it's mandated, some of it is uh, is more driven by by education and, and by not that they don't want it, not that they're going to settle for not changing it, but it's it's uh, it's getting it's getting that uh, buy-in and that want to and the why understood from the group. So, Mark, that's what what my goods and bads are for the month.
0: Well, that's everything I was going to say.
1: Oh,
0: I know it. I know. it. obviously, I'm going to talk about service, okay? Uh, but I think what I'm talking about applies to every department. And uh, we recently, am I good and bad? It's kind of kind of put together as well here, okay? But we recently did a uh, study, a pretty in-depth study on on throughput uh, for a uh, group of for Noe for a group of their dealers, and uh, I won't go into all the statistics that came out of it, but uh, The data showed with a few, with with really one uh, software addition to their process that allowed them more visibility and more focus. It showed a huge, huge reduction in dwell time or downtime for the customer and higher uh, gross profit rates for uh, both service, both labor and parts okay and uh, even the tightening of the standard deviation or the process capability now i can tell you when you dig down through the data as impressive as that was and that's the good side uh, because they reduced the customer downtime by 47 percent with just the addition of software and the training how to run the software the the bad side is when you dug into the data the opportunity for so much more if they had the disciplines, the structure built to integrate it with their DMS system better and the uh, the disciplines of the people uh, to execute on a daily basis uh, to increase customer satisfaction, increase cash flow and really, really open up throughput. Having said that, they opened up about $120,000 a year as a group. So some better, some worse in throughput capacity just by adding the software. So uh, I, you know my, my takeaway is uh, the tools, the techniques, decide on your plan. Uh, to your point about DMS systems, I always say pick the one that meets your business needs in the future, not today. okay, the one that you feel will will get you to where you want to go. And then the hard part is after that first few months of change, and getting everybody trained because they're all going to hate something about it, okay. It's tying your process, integrating your process to that DMS system, not the opposite way around, not using the DMS process to drive what you're doing in the, in the dealership. And then if you have additional software like Decisive or Assist or something or repair management, okay, make sure that's integrated to both your process as well before you ask your people to really change their process. And then from the leadership standpoint, like you talked, Keith, you've got to involve your people. They've got to be part of that change as well. So uh, tremendous success with this uh, disruption we've had in the economy. Uh, We looked at uh, uh, this year's data and tremendous improvements in spite of the disruption that's going on because they were focused on it.
1: Yep. You know, I think think just to close that, that conversation out, uh, you talked about the disruption in the economy. The good thing, John, is uh, if we look at our volume indicators, we're seeing volumes now on repair orders and counter tickets back as a, as as a whole, not as a individual dealership. We're seeing those numbers now back very, very close to what the high the high water mark was uh, in February of this year. What are you What are you seeing on the used truck side, real quick?
3: Well, uh, let me just say, uh, I, I read those indicators every day, too, and I, I think that that's, uh, that's a mixed blessing right there, right? It's always nice to have the volume come back, but the missed opportunity, if you haven't taken these last four or five months to, to get comfortable with the notion that the world has changed and it's not going to change back, yep. if you haven't taken the last four or five, six months to change your processes and readdress how you go to market and serve your customers and you're satisfied with just
0: business coming back, then you've really missed an opportunity, okay? That's really true, John. There's so many many clients that have let the, the disruption manage them versus managing your business through the distraction right. okay. and then honing your processes. So. Right.
3: Keith, we continue to see, not to directly answer your question, if you will, the used truck market continues to show signs of improvement. You know, uh, volumes of units going through the auction block are slowing down because dealer inventory levels are coming down. Pricing is coming back. Auction prices have stabilized. Retail asking prices are escalating. Uh, everything that we'd indicated is going to happen in the used truck market is coming true. It's uh, the clouds are parting, and it is a brighter day in the used truck business than it was <laughs> last year at this time.
1: That's great. Well, hey, let's move on. Oh, um, as always, it's good to hear from both of you as to what you're seeing happening in the marketplace. I know we we certainly talk a lot offline, but uh, it's good to, to to hear about the goods and the bads and what's happening in the marketplace. We are going to talk about um, about facilities today, and. Uh, you know, as we talked on on the introduction, the consolidation um, of the dealer base continues, and it's continuing in earnest. I know that we've had we've had uh, one, two, three, four. I think five of our customers this year either close or expand uh, because they got bought up by somebody, or they've expanded and and uh, and and brought bought in more stores and I'm probably missing some uh, out, of, out of our group of customers. But the the, uh, the coronavirus doesn't appear to have slowed any of this uh, consolidation down. In fact, it may be that it sped it up. And one of the things that, uh, that I know as we've talked to our customers throughout this that comes into the conversation in acquisitions is tell me about the facilities. Tell me about what the uh, what the footprint of that facility is. What the quality of the facility is. I know that one of our customers that we helped uh, put a deal together for them when they sold um, to to actually another one of our customers. Um, that the the customer that bought them one of the big selling points was the facility that 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 was available and. And that that facility was modern, and it and it wouldn't need anything for a good ten years. Uh, it was it was ready to go, and um, and that was a big big selling point to them. So you know this facility discussion is important. It's a, it's important uh, from a buy sell perspective, and a, and certainly from an everyday operational perspective. These discussions usually fall into uh, I'm guessing, uh, John probably three buckets um the addition to an existing facility or maybe an extensive remodeling of that facility, adding bays or part storage or redoing the, the, the bays, uh, redoing the, the building itself, just a refresh, uh, you know putting new blacktop on for 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 a show area of trucks or uh, redoing the office space. And then of course the, the uh, most ambitious of all is starting with, a blank piece of ground, and uh, building that building that building from that from that starting point. And I think our guest today is probably going to be able to talk to maybe all three of those. Um, so again, we we talked we we mentioned Corey uh, before we went into our good and bads. But John and Mark, I'd like to introduce uh, Corey Neal to our to our audience. Uh, Corey is the president of K Neal Truck and Bus uh, out of the uh, D.C. metro area. And uh, so John, Mark, welcome to Corey. Hey Corey.
2: Hey guys, how are you guys doing today?
0: Good morning, Corey. <laughs> We're doing good. We're doing so,
1: good. Corey again, thanks for being here.
2: Absolutely. I look forward to speaking on the the building, development and much more with you guys.
1: You know, we've we've Corey, we've done a lot of work with uh K Neal, Truck and Bus for quite a while. So certainly I know who you are. I've known you for Quite a long time from Dealer Academy days. You chose to take your offensive tackle talents to a different college rather than <laughs> one you should have gone to. But uh, um, but we I know it's, it's fun to catch up on on that on that that area as well when we first met. Uh, but you know I know who you are. Certainly John knows who you are. Uh, Mark knows who you are. But if you could could you give our listeners just a little introduction of who Corey Neal is and and where you come from, Corey?
2: absolutely and uh unfortunately i i think kansas state missed one with me but uh <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll go we'll go uh, we'll go from there but there you uh, go uh, uh my name is corey neil i'm out of the washington metropolitan area uh, i'm a man of faith i think that first to say that i'm a family man a former athlete as keith alluded to earlier uh, i love the trucking industry i i love the fact that uh, the customer base that you deal with in the trucking industry is so diverse, uh, from over-the-road truckers to municipalities to governments and more. Um, it's, it's really a pleasure. Uh, you know, we have five rooftops here in, within the Washington metropolitan area. A huge truck facility is one of those which John loves uh, and is always on me about making a better, more profitable place. And uh, so we do, we do a good job here. Uh, we're also a school bus dealership as well, uh, so we are a little bit more diverse than I think your average truck dealership, and, and we like dabbling and dabbling in that as well. But all in all, I'm very excited for the topic, uh, topic of the topic of the day.
1: Great. Hey, uh, just to help us understand your the the business itself, Corey, don't you know? Don't give us any trade secrets, but uh, just some highlights about K&T&B, if you don't mind.
2: Um, founded in uh, 2000 2006, so next year will be our 15th year anniversary, so thankfully it wasn't this year because as you guys <laughs> said, uh, you know this year has had its ups and downs to say the least. Uh, we represent uh, the Navistar brand, obviously the, the best brand on the road with the best product lineup and I'll say that proudly. Um, we have a uh, Hino brand and we also have the Isuzu brand here at uh, two of our locations. Um, Just, you know, for us as an organization, we do everything from parts service to leasing to etc. But to Mark's point, uh, the last three or four months, we've really spent a lot of time in our organization fine tuning who we are. Uh, you know, I believe it was the March timeframe. I went downstairs to my organization after we made some structural changes, and I said, "Hey guys, we're the ones that are hopping on this airplane, and we're going to ride this plane. And we've got enough fuel to make it. And we're coming. We're going to make it through. And when we come down on the ground, we're going to be a better organization. And, and I think we've done that. I've been really proud of the organization.
1: Great. Um, you guys, Corey, you've you got a lot of experience and expertise uh, in upgrading facilities. you want to just give us a little highlights there about uh, about your street cred from, from that standpoint?
2: For sure. Uh, we just finished a uh, 40,000 square foot build out here in our Hyattsville location. <clears throat> uh, and, and to tell you the truth, it, it was tough. Um, we, we learned a lot. Um, the facility we were coming out of was built in the 1960s. So, obviously, uh, it, was, it was pretty difficult uh, for us. Uh, we actually built it in our backyard, so we had some land, uh, land constraints here that were tough for us. And putting 40,000 square feet in the Washington metropolitan area is not a cheap price. Uh, it's really expensive, actually. And um, it, we did a good job at it. Uh, the organization did well. Uh, we did a couple of neat things for the organization. Uh, obviously, technicians are always hard to come by, so we did heated floors for our technicians. We did we have a really great fan system here. Uh, we leaned forward in some of the things that we were doing in regards to electric and CNG and propane ready bays, so we're ready for any which way the uh, this green this green life of trucking world goes. We're really excited for that. Uh, but all in all, um, it was it's a good project, um, and now we've actually started. Uh, to renovate our Gatesburg project as we've seen that the energy from a new project inside the organization is incredible. Great. great. Uh, so you've you've done you've done this.
1: are you are you into the facility now, Corey?
2: Yes, we are in the facility uh, we we, uh, we came to the facility in October last year.
1: okay well that's a that's a lot just uh, it's certainly a lot to do Yeah
3: when did you break ground? So uh, just uh, for the benefit of our listeners, uh, from when you broke ground to when you moved in, f- flesh that out for us.
2: Uh, breaking ground, it was uh, it, it was about a 13-month process from groundbreaking. So we kind of rolled back 13 months from there from groundbreaking to uh, to actually being inside the building. Uh, prior to that, there was a lot more in regards to permitting, et cetera, which I think varies by state, municipality, and where you are in the, in, from a ge- geographical standpoint. Great.
1: You, you, you know, 40, I'm in Kansas, and uh, I know if you go to Kansas City and you look at some of the stores there, I don't know how big they are, but I know there's, there's got to be a couple of them that are approaching 80,000 square feet. But knowing D.C., I've, I've, I've been in the D.C. area enough, 40,000 has got to be a, a pretty big building for that, for that area.
2: Uh, It's huge. Um, It's huge for this area. If you look at our building um, compared to our local competitors, um, we definitely have a leg up on facilities on competitors. uh, One of the things that we did is in our parks department, we actually went with a modular system. Which gave us about 15 to 20,000 square feet of space that we gained uh, that we didn't have to put in our part system by by purchasing that part system, uh, just to be creative in some of the things we did. Uh, we do have a second we do have a second floor, but just trying to make the 40,000 work to the best of our yep.
1: Business. Yep. You know, you, you talked about green. Uh, did you take? Did you undertake any green initiatives in this thing as well, Corey?
2: Yes, we did. Um, we did some stuff on the roof in regards to panels, in regards to greenery on the roof. Um, obviously, there's a level of beautification. Uh, we, we like to say, I like my dealership to look like my house, so there's a ton of greens outside. Uh, and then uh, this on also inside of the bays, just the alternate fuels. Uh, so we have some bays that have cement uh, walls up to 10 feet uh, for some of the for some of the regulations in regards to working on electric and propane trucks. Um, and then every light pole has the ability to charge electric vehicles as we think that's the way of the future. Okay,
1: Mark, it sounds like the Corey's been put through his dealership paces in terms of building facilities. Uh, Corey, again, thanks. Mark, I think yeah. you, you have got a question you want to ask him.
0: Well, yeah, but but Corey, uh, tell me how. Uh, your customers responded to it. Okay, have you noticed a difference? Is it driven business? Has it uh, stayed the same or
2: uh, before COVID, I could tell you that our downstairs and our front entryway became so overcrowded. Uh, it was, it's actually been a great piece of our organization. Um, in our old building, uh, parts and service were split inside of the building. In our new building, when you walk in, if you're a parts customer, you're in our service area. If you're in our service customer, you're in our parts area. So we've just seen a lot more businesses having people in the same area, um, quite frankly.
0: Has that, has that increased uh, the internal, internal communications? I mean, the and communications internally between those two departments are critical. Okay, has it increased it because they're closer together?
2: Uh, increased it, it's kind of like a forced marriage. I think that anytime yeah. you can get parts and service together, uh, working together, you're doing a really good job. And, and we have done a really good job. We went with some walkie-talkie systems, um, making sure that everybody kind of stays in their place and that everybody's working together. Um, it, it's been a, it's been really nice. Uh, we were able to uh, actually open up on Saturdays because we had so much duplication in the organization. Uh, that's that's dynamite.
0: Did, did it take you a long time, or was it a pretty easy decision, from a financial standpoint, uh, uh, to make that leap of faith to build it, or or was it just pure necessity?
2: Um, it, you know, Obviously, when you're taking on an undertaking like that, there, there's a financial component to it. Uh, you, you obviously have to check your numbers. You have to understand what that impact is to the organization. Uh, for us, once we kind of got over that financial hurdle, um, it was very clear to see that the efficiencies within the building, uh, as well as just the outdatedness and the excitement internally that we would get uh, from a project like this is, was definitely worth the dollar. Yeah, that's dynamite.
3: So, I mean, Mark, from a process standpoint, I, I think K. Neil Truck and Bus had a disciplined process, and, and as Corey had kind of just alluded to it, you know, there, there was some uh, pretty rigorous uh, financial assessment that went in on the front end of this to make sure that they weren't building a Taj
0: Mahal. So there, there was a. Well, you know, being being from uh, Ohio originally, okay, we don't we don't think much of those Michigan guys, okay. <laughs> Uh, if it played in Ohio, I would have would have you know known for sure. Okay.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. At
0: least, it, at least it wasn't the big blue, so I am fine with it.
2: Uh, no, that's fair. We were green. Not, we were, we were <laughs> <not> the green.
1: <laughs> Corey, when when you what what was the facility like that you were in before? I mean, how old the facility was that was that that you were working in before?
2: Uh, the facility was about seventy, almost seventy years old. So, okay. any, uh, so, seventy years old. Seventy years old. Uh, plumbing, electric, uh, Wi-Fi, internet—if that was even in place—I mean, it was it was tough.
1: Okay. It um, you know, was there. Was there um, any impact on you know as, as you've seen? So not just financially, and certainly the the efficiency piece of it of 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 what the old building. Uh, caused, I guess, the inefficiencies. Um, did you look at other factors in this as well as you're starting to build it, you know, like what your customers thought or, or the, the people that were working there attracting talent, things like that?
2: You know, those are two of the biggest pieces. Uh, along with that was the growth piece. It, it was how how much can we grow by doing this facility? What does customer retention look like with this facility? And, and can we attract more talent with this facility? You know, those are the three things that we really thought of in this process. And, and I think we were very reasonable. Um, obviously, going into the facility in October, having, you know, maybe two or three months of just getting used to the facility, then, right around that December January time frame, actually starting to get a little momentum. Um, and we're very excited now that we're seeing some of that momentum come back. Cool. cool. So there's other things than
1: just the, the financial side of it. Um, but I think we'll come back to the numbers the, the number aspect. Where yeah. did you where did you begin uh, you know in, in starting to assess just whether or not financially, the, the new building made sense or not.
2: I think the first point is, is starting with your baseline p You know, what, what can your P&L absorb? What is that gonna to do to your organization? And, and how and how is this from a long-term strategy, how, how can this, is this is real estate development that we're also in? So yeah. how, how, how do those three things set us up for the future? And, you know, once we went through that process, our CFO, she did a marvelous job of going through the, you know, the nuts and bolts of this thing, um, as, as obviously that's just, that's, just a, that's just a great job she did in that. But after that, obviously getting the OEM involved was a huge piece of this, um, as our, your OEMs have different specifications they would like you to adhere to. Uh, then after that, you have the state and local and county levels that you need to talk to and assess with. Um, and then actually you have to, you know, figure out what type of building you want to build. Okay, John. I uh, I
1: know from your prior life uh, that you've probably been involved in a lot of these projects, fifty plus. I'm guessing. Uh, as you're listening to Corey, in terms of they, as how they sort of make this decision on what to do and and uh, whether to do it or not, how's that sound to you?
3: Well, um, look, I. I... I think K. Neal approached this from the right angle. You know, you have to figure out what the business is for. I've seen projects. These projects can run away with you. And I have seen a couple of dealerships that weren't grounded in, in firm financial guidelines. And uh, at the end of the day, they ended up selling their their dealerships to competitors in bankruptcy court because they built more facility than the business could sustain. So I think K. Neal's approach to this uh, in terms of having those firm financial guidelines and what can the business afford. That, that was absolutely the right approach. I think another thing that made this project really interesting was, uh, as you can imagine, they got a lot of help from the local uh, government in terms of uh, where they wanted to put the dealership and what was acceptable and being able to integrate all of that input into the financial model on the front end. So that was, that was really, uh, I think that this project was a little bit more involved than, than some of the other ones that I've seen a lot more involved to be candid. And I think that was an important consideration as well. So I think they approached this from the right angle. I
0: so at the beginning of so the- from, uh, from the standpoint of overhead to that point, Okay. Obviously, you must increase increase the nut for each department. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, I, and it's still early, so I I don't want to put you on the spot here, but that's the do, you, do your. That's all your planning and forecasting uh, look like it's going to come through as far as getting back to uh, the absorption and the and the numbers for each department that you had hoped? Wait, I Let mean, it, me. Because of the disruption, also so.
2: January and February, uh, we were close, uh, we were very close. Uh, March was tough and obviously April, that was kind of a really tough place for us. But uh, the projections on where we are from an overhead standpoint, uh, stuff like heating and lighting, uh, insurance, flood zones, you know, certain things do come up that you just weren't expecting. Uh, we have an elevator now, and and I didn't know that you have to service an elevator for eight thousand dollars every year. You know, this small, <laughs> small stuff like that that you didn't know. Um, those are those are the anomalies I'm dealing with. Yeah. So, so you said you built it
0: on the same property behind your other store. Okay. Yep. I've always heard location, location, location. Did that play into uh, building it there, or was it more of a real
2: estate decision? It, it it was both of those, um, and and building it in the backyard, as we say, was the toughest thing that we ever could imagine doing. But um, I, I believe in location, location, location. But you, you have to be able to afford where you are too. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Obviously, you're you're you really looked at the numbers. You re, really had a plan. I, you know, I've watched. I've been doing this for my whole life, and um, watched a lot of people build. John kind of referred to this and a lot of bad decisions made and so forth, but it sounds like you really had it put together. I'm pretty impressed.
2: Absolutely.
3: You know, Mark, the only guys that I've ever seen do location, location, location well were the caterpillar guys, right? And and caterpillar dealerships are a little different, right? They've got a strategy team on the corporate staff and they spend time looking at maps trying to figure out what the market might look like twenty years from now. So they they do look their, their strategy is location, 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 but but their circumstances are a little bit different. And Corey, it's uh, no accident that in your market, Caterpillar built a huge market down by Andrews Air Force Base, and they ended up uh, not working out so well for them. So, you know, this process starts with a firm grasp of the numbers. And I think uh K-Neil Truck and Bus uh, really really was disciplined in their approach to
0: this project. Yeah, it really, it really sounds like it. I'm, I'm really impressed.
2: Absolutely. I appreciate it, guys. It was a process, to say the <laughs> least. We actually looked at that Caterpillar dealership, too.
1: <laughs> yeah. You, you know, I, I'm going to come back to uh, to the reason, I guess, that, that we do build, or like in my mind, the reason we build a new, uh, uh, a new business is to take care of the customers, right? I mean, we, we want to make sure that our employees have the opportunity to do better, but it's about taking care of our customers and and ultimately making the business grow, right? We, we wouldn't do this just to trade uh, bottom line performance and, and keep, keep the, the bottom line performance the same or, or get worse, just like we are talking about. Um, you know, Corey, when you guys were, were talking about financially, the, the financial projections, how did you think about growth um, when you started to look at what your P&Ls might look like you know, over time, as you built this new building, I've seen people just say, "Well, we're going to have twenty more bays, so that means that we've got ten more techs, and we that means we've got eighty more hours a day. So we bill out two hundred bucks an hour, sixteen thousand dollars more per day, without I mean, any real thought as to how to get
0: there." If you build it, it will come. I think I heard that someplace.
1: I think I've heard that somewhere before, and that's probably not always true. So, no. <laughs> how, how do you guys look at this from from a growth standpoint for your P and L projections?
2: Uh, growth, growth is a tough is a word that everybody has on mind. A conquest strategy is something that everybody always has on mind. And as a former athlete, um, you know, I'm aggressive in growth numbers, but I think it's important that we we calculate smart growth. Um, okay. and, and smart growth to me means that there's a baseline that, that we know that we're going to hit uh, without any issue or problem. And then there's also that place where we consider our sweet spot. Which is which is the push, which is that push area where our organization really can sustain, can sustain. But as much time and I think this is really important to discuss, as much time as we spent on a growth strategy, we spent on a retention strategy when we came into the building. Because what we didn't want to do is take our focus all the way to grow, 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 grow and forget about the foundation of business that truly is what was able to help us open a facility.
0: Interesting. And that of course was service, right? All built around. Service. Of course, Mark. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> With a smattering of parts
2: thrown over the top. <laughs> yeah. I told you I was an Avistar dealer. It's all about service. You know that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so a yeah.
0: lot of warning for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so speaking of service, okay, uh, more bays than you
2: had? Yep, more bays than we had. Uh, six, uh, eight more bays total.
0: Eight more bays total. So more technicians or disruption slowed that down or
2: we 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 at one point we had gotten our technicians up about 35 percent from the uh previous move uh right now we are at the levels that we were at the old building
0: so you right sized it yeah
2: good for you too
0: too many too many dealers are so afraid of losing tax that they that they protected them tremendous tremendous expense obviously so when you were doing the forecasting. Did you just look at the number of bays, number of techs, or did you look at productivity and proficiency? I don't know what your numbers were or what they are now, and I, that that's irrelevant. But were there opportunities for growth from the, that standpoint, from the drivers of the metrics?
2: There was huge growth opportunities there. Uh, I'm not saying that we weren't a, a highly uh, efficient or our gross profit numbers weren't good, but you know, simple things as tech staying in the bay. Um, you know, making sure that everything that we do is about the tech staying in the bay, hiring actual parts runners, uh, leaning into that model. Um, our foreman, um, we, we, I have a very strict rule of no technicians inside of the offices, uh, and it, it, it's working well. Uh, we, do, we did get a little sloppy during COVID, uh, just as some of the other processes did. But, you know, that was the biggest thing that we want to change in our organization because that, that, that's a huge time and production loads are. Keep the tech in its bay. That's right. Yeah. Well, well you, did went you, through, you, did you went through you coach him on
0: that, Mark? Uh, I, I don't remember. Did I have you in class?
2: Uh, yeah, maybe all. so. Or
0: <laughs> you were listening to Bob Atwood or, or me? Okay.
2: <laughs> Absolutely you, Mark. Absolutely uh, you. All right all right. <laughs> all right. all
0: right. All right. Well, you know, it, it's, it's obviously the key drivers to drive that result. So I was wondering when you were forecasting – for, for and thinking about building this, that you drill it all the way down to the key drivers, I guess was my core question, okay?
2: Absolutely. Yeah,
0: and, and it, being in a new shop with a new geographic layout and, and uh, uh, departments pushed closer together, some of the hard and fast disciplines you have in place, okay, have you found that your process, your overall service process or any other department process has changed due to that? or minor changes, or major, or?
2: Huge changes, uh, just going from the building to building. Having everybody together uh, it, it's been such a, it's been such a process improvement. Uh, my service writers at the front counter, when they hear the order, uh, or that truck gets checked in, they're turning right around to that parts person. That's right there, uh, leaning into one command connection to take it a step further uh, and having that person inside the bowl. So now we know when somebody's on the side of the road and we're actually scheduling, we're actually ordering parts. It, it's become a really, uh, we're actually serving the customer. Um, and, and and that's something that we not saying that we didn't do that, but the level that we serve our customers um, is something that it that that, that that we can't replace and we can't replicate. That dynamite, really dynamite, okay.
0: really interesting. Okay, I appreciate is. that feedback. I really do.
3: It really know, is. You know, Mark. One of the things, uh, and I had to be spending a little time in Hyattsville when they were planning for the one location to the next. But I think one of the things that Corey did was uh, uh, really drive home the. We can't take all of our bad habits from the current shop into the new shop we have to be really focused on serving the customers differently and being more efficient this isn't just about moving from location a to location b he really drove home the point over and over again consistently every staff meeting etc that uh, this is a new way of doing
0: business it's not just a new building
3: it's a new way of serving our customers you know
0: Don't let Corey know I said that's okay, but I'm really, really impressed with this young man because so many people think you fix it with a new facility or you fix it with a new DMS system. All my screwed up processes will fix if I buy this, okay? And that was kind of goes back to my good and bad when we started this conversation today. It's one element. It's a tool. You know, the building is necessary. It needs to be efficient. but, Integrate it with your process, so that's why I was asking if your process has changed, because they should have changed. Okay, yeah. and, and uh, uh, that's dynamite, absolutely dynamite. Yeah, really, I. Back to the, in spite of the fact that he played football in Michigan, <laughs> I'm really, really impressed with this young man. <laughs> you <laughs> know,
1: you know, John, I, 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 was thinking the same thing about, uh, uh, about taking the leaving everything bad at the old location and we we move in and we start something brand new and and that is uh that that's a major major undertaking yeah. that's a huge undertaking
3: yeah that's changing um, the culture and that takes real leadership
1: it does it does you know yeah. and, and I, I i know we've we've thought about that mark you and i've talked forever about dms changes i don't know that i really ever thought about that from a from a facility standpoint, you know, Corey, let's go back. If you don't mind to, uh, Mark always wants to drive people down this road of service and understand everything about service. It's always,
0: it all starts there.
1: there. Yeah. You got to sell something first, Mark, before you can service the truck. Um, you know, once, once you guys made the decision to build this, what'd you guys do next?
2: Uh, you know once we made the decision to build it it, it it was a it was a long process of one numbers. I think that we checked the numbers and understood that hey, this is a number thing but two it, it was getting the OEM involved, um, getting your OEM involved as early on as we possibly could because we knew that some of the things that we wanted to do here, we're a little bit outside the box. Uh, we knew that, and uh, we knew that we had to get that approval, for lack of better words. Uh, but then after that, uh, for the OEM part, we wanted to make sure that we were a part of the community. Uh, and, and and quite frankly, we're in the Washington metropolitan area, and and people prefer Starbucks and Panera on the corner, than you know. Repair trucks and a school bus dealership. So, making sure that we were a part of the community, making sure that the community felt a part of this project was important to us. How,
1: how, how'd you do that?
2: literally it was grassroots uh, we were going to community meetings uh we were going to the council members we were going to all the legislators uh you know telling them that hey on the grand opening you'll be there this will be good for you there's wins in this for you um and we had them all apart um, and i think that it was a win and, and i think that prince george's county is proud of the facility cool is there any, any major
0: thing you had to overcome in that process any pushback at all
2: Uh, The the biggest thing for us was floodplains. Um, During the process of going through our building permits, the floodplains changed. Um, And literally, it was about a million dollars of dirt that we had to bring in to raise the building up. Um, And the frustrating piece of that was that when we demoed our old building, uh, we had to take a million dollars out because we moved into the back. So... Uh, that that was the most painful, you know, dollar point thing. True. But it was uh, nothing we could do, nothing they could do. It's just it was just part of the process. Wow,
3: Mark. Mark, keep in mind this is expensive dirt that we're talking about. So that was about oh, I know. <laughs> that was about I know. two shovels full that Corey
0: just talked mm-hmm. about there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, okay. You,
1: you know, Corey. I know. I know you're. A, you only work part time. <laughs> you only a, you only work half half a day. Yep. Uh, okay. You know six in the morning to six at night so uh i got i gotta imagine that uh um you had plenty of time to be a project manager on this thing for yourself
2: yeah that was the uh, best part of it uh and, and if i could kind of roll back and say one thing that i would say is the most important thing about this project is that you're you have a separate project manager Okay. Um, as a dealer, as a dealer principal, uh, I was very fortunate that me and my father, my father had just transitioned out of the role here and outside of the company. So this was pretty much his baby on the day to day basis. Okay. But uh, ensuring that was important.
1: You know, I, I, a long time ago, like uh, twenty five years ago or so, I had a chance to 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 be involved in building a couple of stores. And uh, at that point, I was a CFO for a group. And I was also nominated to be the project manager. And mm. I was terrible at it because <laughs> like, you don't have enough time in the day to do it. You, you can't, you can't do that and make, make, uh, change order decisions or anything else. You just, you just run out of time.
2: No, it's, it, it, it was tough. And, and overall, once we had that in place and once we understood that because in construction, um, the, the decisions and the mistakes are there's never a $500 mistake. It's25,000, it's50,000, it's, it's, it's 500,000. Yeah. They're just not small dollars um, and it's worth every bit of to have somebody managing that project. Yep. Yeah. Hey, so when you, when you guys uh, you made the decision to go forward, you went through the
1: whole uh, process of engaging with, with your OEs, the local community like you talked about, um, the project manager standpoint. You've got to bring an architect into this as well. How did you, how did you guys go about the process of selecting an architect?
2: Um, we well, our manufacturer Navistar had a group that they uh, suggested to us, but then we also looked locally here, um, and we actually did go to a local company Page uh, here locally in Washington metropolitan area. But our process took about four months. Uh, we had interviews in total. I think there were six or seven people we brought in and, and laid out a plan. Uh same thing on a general contractor side. Uh same okay. thing.
1: John? Sound about right to you?
3: Yeah, those are big decisions, right? So you don't want to talk to just one guy. You wanna and, and and to Corey's point, the OEs do have their their specialists. And those guys are you need to talk to them because they, they know about colors and they know about standards, facility guidelines, standards, and stuff that you need to be in compliance with. So so that's good. But you know, you can't beat local knowledge and a local guy who you've already got a relationship with. So I I think they had a pretty good process that they went through. And I I think the proof's in the pudding, right? I mean, when you look at what came out the other end, I think you'd have to say they hired professionals that were really capable of of, uh, this kind of project and adding value to this kind of project. Okay.
1: Corey, uh, you know, just did you, did you involve looking at other dealerships in this as well as you uh, uh, either from experience of where you'd seen other dealerships or go make visits? Did you involve others from K Neal in this uh, design process?
2: very comprehensive project and, and i and i have to give john a, a huge thank you to uh, john john set up about 15 dealership visits for us uh throughout the midwest um, and when we hopped in the car myself my dad and, and our uh, scott bowen and we hopped in the car we went through ohio iowa wisconsin illinois and we looked at the latest and greatest facilities that were in the market um and actually got to talk to the dealer principals uh, and okay did, small little things that they suggested and that was the best education that we could get
1: cool that's cool
2: you know keith there's no substitute
3: for experience in these projects and corey really just <laughs> made a great point right you, you you get to the end and you always think of the boy if i could do this over again here's one or two or three ideas and i I think uh, Corey and Steven had a lot of ideas in terms of what they wanted this project to look like. But, but those ideas were influenced after that trip. So you really need to go out and talk to people who have done projects. That's, a, that's yeah. such an important part of the design. Yep. Uh,
1: you,
3: you need to talk to people.
1: Yep. Uh, Corey, I, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm guessing that uh, uh, there's some similarities between when you build a brand new facility and we're just refurbishing it. I know you talked about how long it took you to, uh, to get in from permitting. And, and was that about two and a half years, yep. something like that from permitting to groundbreaking, uh, to groundbreaking to reopen uh, the opening. Um, I know there's some other time frames behind that. Uh, just not the two and a half years.
2: Yeah, the, the, obviously, you know, the two and a half years is the easy way of putting it, but you know, for us it uh, to, to kind of come to the point where we said, hey, what what do we want to look like as an organization? Do, do we want to embody excellence and be best in class in everything that we do? And, and a little bit to Mark's point, it, it's first, it's we looked internally. Uh, are we doing the things from processes and efficiencies internally from the server side? Are we managing our expenses? Are we getting the margin out of our parts department? Are we ordering correctly? Are, are we leaning into those things? And, and that took two or three years, literally. Okay. You know? To make sure we squeeze that out before we went into the actual idea of for us to scale for us to grow for us to become more efficient we need to roll into a new facility
1: so where how far out did you start this then i mean
2: we i i would say that we started this probably four years out uh we did about a year and a half of planning and and some of the stuff we did do simultaneously uh, okay. like Building permits, architecture and those type of things while we were still traveling around with John. So, you know, overall you're probably talking about three and a half years from a total standpoint of getting the whole the whole deal done.
0: Okay. So pretty much right after you were in our classes,
2: right? <laughs> That's uh,
0: right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, absolutely.
1: So did that did that timeline were you able to stay on the timeline uh, that you put together? pretty well or did it take longer or any thoughts on that Corey? uh
2: from a timeline standpoint we were pretty good um the only thing that from a timeline standpoint that threw us off was some of the floodplain things uh but we we didn't have much weather Uh, other than that we were pretty close our grand opening ticked off at right around plus or minus a couple of weeks so really good from a timing standpoint
1: okay interesting
2: john what are your thoughts well you know i think um
3: there's there's the brand new facility that we've been talking about and then of course there's facility refreshes and uh and and k neil truck and bus is looking at one of those in gaithersburg right now there's some complexities associated with that one corey it's kind of hard to say uh, because we're trying to do a couple other things there as well okay Mm -hmm. so I think you're going to assume a refresh is going to go much faster and the level of sophistication that you're going to need from an architect, to, you know, the, the difficulty, the degree of difficulty you're going to have with local municipalities is going to be much less and, and a refresh project is going to go a lot faster. Uh, you know, each, each one of these is a little different and has its own nuances, but, but uh, you know, new construction, real challenge, refreshes. They're a challenge too, and they have some uh, some you know specifics. But you could you're going to get through it a little cheaper. You're going to get through it a little faster, and it's going to come together quicker.
1: I'm going to guess that that process of the financial analysis, the plan, the engaging financial sources or the financing sources, manufacturers, architects, Corey. I'm going to guess that you're going to follow a similar process yep. in Gaithersburg as to what you did for Hyattsville
2: very similar um we've actually uh through covid uh that was our store that was probably affected the most so we were actually able to start some of the things there uh as that facility just began it just was a little slower during the COVID times and still is today so we actually have started at some of those upgrades to the facility whether it's small parking lots stuff, bathroom stuff etc
1: okay interesting
3: john this all makes sense to you it makes sense to me and uh but you know, this is such an important subject, Keith. We've talked about operational efficiency. We've talked about costs. We've talked about growth. but You know, there's also the and Corey touched on this, but you know, the branding implications. And you want to send the right message to the marketplace. You want to have a you want to have a facility that comes through that looks like your business is prosperous and successful. And and uh, you want to have a place where your business where your customers can come and. And and it's easy to do business with you. So there's a lot of branding implications
1: for this as well. You know, we've been having this discussion for a little bit more than an hour, and we need to respect Corey's time. But so, Corey, I just I've got one more uh, question for you here. Um, I think we, Mark, you've been through these before with with your customers, John. Certainly, you have, and and I have. I'm sure, Corey. There's been some lessons that you've learned in the last couple of years on how to manage and lead one of these development projects. Um, could you just pick two or three things that, that are maybe the most important lessons learned that our listeners could, uh, could use as some advice uh, so yeah. they might not make the same mistake twice?
2: Absolutely. Uh, two, two quick things is one, making sure that you have that project manager. Uh, Keith, I think you alluded to it earlier today, This having somebody on the ground managing expenses going through that project because it is a full-time job and and we all have full-time jobs here already. Uh, The second thing that's probably a little different than most would say, Um, I I wish that I would have taken the opportunity to be a little bit more aggressive on our grand opening strategy. Um, I think that our strategy internally for processes and efficiencies and, and making the business better was great. I don't think that uh, we capitalized from a marketing standpoint, uh, getting media involved, television ads, et cetera, on the grand opening. I think we were just so focused on the move parts, getting parts across the street and and getting tools into the building. Um, And if you really think about it, when you're doing a facility, you hope that facility lasts for anywhere from 20 to 25 years at a minimum. So you don't want to miss an opportunity to really uh, show off your store and, and, and get it in the public, as, as as that's a huge part. As marketing is a huge part of, of being a dealership today.
1: I would have never thought that. I would have never ever thought that. Uh, anything else, John? From you know, lessons learned that you've had uh, going through going through facility development and re- and buildings and so on.
3: Well, I I really like both of Corey's ideas, so I'm glad we let him go first so that that I didn't steal his ideas. Keith, the only thing I would say is uh, don't get the cart in front of the horse. You know, key advisors were all about process discipline. It's all about starting the process as the first step. Don't start a facility project, whether it's a remodeling, whether it's a refurbishing, or whether it's a brand new facility. Don't start the project until you make sure you've run the trap lines on the front end and you've got all your financial assumptions and, and you're not overburdening the business. So my advice, don't get the cart in front of the horse.
1: <clears throat> Mark, I'm asking you the same question. You've heard John and Corey's responses. Any anything from, and I know you've been through a bunch of these with with your consulting customers uh, maybe even in a prior life, doing it, doing it from uh, actual boots on the ground. But any thoughts about uh, lessons learned that, that you might add into this conversation?
0: Well, I, I I think having gone through nothing quite this big, okay, but certainly watching and helping dealers go through it, and and uh, Corey has very very laid it out very very well today. Uh, it's plan, plan, plan some more, plan again, okay, uh, make sure you've got all your ducks in a row from all the way down to your key metrics, make sure you're not not expecting the change to fix everything for you, fix it before you go, don't make it garbage in, garbage out, and then realize that there's going to be surprises, and some of them are going to be significant, and that always happens, That's right. okay, Good uh, you, so I, I, again... Uh, I'm very impressed. I think this could be a model layout. Uh, hopefully, uh, our listeners really, really uh, got something out of this. I don't know how many times I go through it, it's always uh, something I learn when I'm helping a dealer. Yeah, uh, um, it, it, very, very good, very impressive. Okay. Yep. Yeah. you go know, ahead. I, I
1: yeah, I, I was going to say the same thing. The one thing that that I've seen too many times as we've been engaged with with customers that that are not that they are engaged just to help on a building piece of it but just to evaluate i mean you know you see them say well my budget is for building this building is 25 million dollars and it's going to add it's going to triple my rent expense and this and that and but we'll have three times as many bays and four times as much parts warehouse and we'll have a huge amount of facility area for uh, parking used trucks. And the question that I always get back to, and Mark, you alluded to it, which is how are you going to use that space? Right. I think some of it just naturally comes, but boy, you're not going to fill up three times as many bays. And uh, uh, so the ability to discipline yourself to say, and that's what I really respected about uh, what Corey was talking about here, the ability to discipline yourself to know what, what the p and implications look like, what you're going to have to do to, to overcome those, because we know the costs are going to increase. So what are you going to do to overcome those cost increases? The most fascinating thing, Corey, I found that you brought out, I, two, one was the idea on the being more aggressive on the grand opening strategy. I think that's fascinating. But the one piece I just thought was really, really interesting, and I've never, ever thought of it before, was... Engaging with the community, yeah. right? I mean, really engaging with the community that we're going to build here, and we want to make we want to be part of your community. And that's kudos to you, Corey. Kudos Thank to you. you.
2: Kudos. I I appreciate it, guys. Yeah.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I, I, John. I'm guessing. Uh, um, you want to close this up in terms of uh, any any final things regarding facility planning, other than. Uh, Other than, you know, I guess, what what do you say, that uh, you shouldn't have any friends help you do this? So that's probably why you don't have any friends, John.
3: Well, uh, there is something to be said for that, Keith.
1: Yeah.
3: (laughs) Yeah. No, look, here, here would be how I'd close this section off. I've seen the discipline process and the results that have come out the other end. Corey, uh, it's a fabulous new facility that will serve you well for, for a long time to come. You're the only dealer that's made this kind of a commitment in the Washington, D.C. metro market. So I think the process that you guys went through and the final output speaks volumes to the quality of your organization. And congratulations on a beautiful new
2: facility. Thank Congrats. you, John. I appreciate it.
1: Congratulations, Corey. Corey, before we let you go, anything, uh, anything you want to uh, – any final words of it, of advice for our listeners?
2: Uh, Key advisors is the way to go. Uh, I've been, I've been, I've, I've, I've been, I've been a happy customer, uh, and and I, and I say that, but in a, in a serious manner. Um, I've, I, we talked about a lot of the successes that we've had in our organization today, but there have been times where we've had to call and lean on Key uh, and John and Mark, and, and to help our organization get through a rough spot. So I truly appreciate you guys and what you guys are doing for the trucking industry and, and being thought leaders in this.
1: Thank you, Corey.
2: Thanks, Corey. Again,
1: again thanks to, to our special guest, Corey Neal from K Neal Truck and Bus. Uh, We've sure learned a lot from him and uh, hopefully our listeners, you you folks on the other other end of this podcast, uh, appreciate what uh, what what has been um, talked about today. I think the big thing on this is there's really no substitute for experience and a disciplined process when it comes to, to doing this. this uh, um, build out whether it's a, a refurbish or a, a complete uh brand new building or rebuild thanks again to everybody for all of you that uh that listen to the three wise truck guys and we would encourage you to contact us because we think we are really good at what we do and uh that that um we do have some some excellent uh minds that can can help you with with your dealership needs so uh please reach out to us and if you do have a topic that you would like uh us to address on the podcast, we'd love to hear from you on that as well. Just to email John Whitnell at john at advisors dot com. So, uh, so,
3: thanks, Keith. So,
1: you betcha. So, Have a good john week, Mar- everybody. Yep, John and Mark. As always, it's a pleasure to uh, spend an hour with you. We'll uh, we'll yes. talk to all of you soon.
0: And thanks again, Corey. Corey, and thank you guys. Thanks, everybody.
1: And we're gone. Thanks for listening to Three Wise Truck Guys, the podcast from Key Advisors. We'd love to hear from you. Send us feedback, comments, and questions to info at keyadvisors.com.